Welcome to the Divine Truth Podcast, a safe space where we celebrate the divinity of our differences and dive into personal transformation, spirituality, and being empowered in the truth of who we are. I am your host and guide, Amy Megan Day, a queer, autistic, cis woman in process. I'm here to hold space and inspire healing, authenticity, and freedom. Throughout this podcast, I'll be sharing divine teachings, sacred stories, and celebrating people who are in the process of embodying the truest expressions of themselves to inspire you to do the same and allow you to live your dream life. It's time to release limiting conditioning and celebrate the divinity and beauty of our authentic truth with absolute love. It's time to know and embody our innate worth and beauty as human beings. This is the Divine Truth Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I am super duper excited today to be joined by my friend Kate. Hi Kate. Hello. (laughs) Um, It's amazing to have you as my first podcast guest. Thank you. I'm honoured. Yay. And um, I'm going to jump in with a first question. Okay. um, Would you like to just speak a little bit about um, how you identify and describe what that means for you. How I identify in like what way, like just as a person? Yeah, as a person um, and any, like I know that we bonded over being autistic. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Like that side of ourselves. Yeah. Right. Well, that's for sure a big part of my identity I guess because like you know finding that out was like working out you know oh that's what's wrong with me or not necessarily wrong but you know that's what the thing was you know all my life so yeah yeah being autistic is a big part of my identity and you know being yeah I, I would say that's like the biggest thing right now and I'm also a writer so I feel like that's part of like who I am at my core, you know. Mm. So yeah, that's like the first the first two things. Like if I had to describe myself, I'd, you know, I'm an autistic writer. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so yeah, that that definitely for sure. Um yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Just I'm curious about um from like because you described those two things being the first two things that you think of Mm -hmm. I'm curious about whether they overlap in any way or like whether um like your your creative process in writing um -hmm. whether you have to consider anything about being autistic in that process or whether it affects your creativity for sure for sure because like um, I also have ADHD, so I feel like that plays in as well. So like when I sit down to write, I can't really just sit down and write. It's a whole process of like 
getting into that because of you know all the distractions and like sensory so I like make sure like every sense is kind of has a need met so like I'm making sure I'm sitting comfortably I have my essential oils running so it's like you know scent um the lighting is perfect (laughs) um you know and I have like a nice drink with me or like a snack or something so I can just really get into it. And then once I have like all those, those things met, it's like, I can like hyper-focus and get into that for, you know, hours even. So like, that's like a big part of like my, I guess, starting process. And I also think being autistic allows for maybe a more unique perspective on things and the way I write, um, because I write fiction mostly. I mean, I do do like poetry and such, but Um, I do fiction and I think being autistic, um, the, the fact that I don't already readily understand people makes me more inquisitive, makes me more open to listening to other people because I know that's a thing that I lack. And so I think that's what you have to have as a writer. You have to listen to other people. So I think that's like, makes me more I don't know, receptive. I don't know the word for it, but it's, I listen more to other people and it allows me to really like explore different ideas, I think. Um, Because I think being a writer, you have to kind of, um, gosh, I don't know how to say it. You have to, you have to be like listening to other people I mean, it has to be your own voice, but you have to, you know, you have to kind of like get out there, I think a little bit. You yeah. can't kind of be, you know, just your own, in your own head all the time. So I think part of it, you have to really, you know, talk to other people and stuff. And I think a lot of people don't feel like they need to do that because, you know, they think they're fine with it, but I know that I'm not the best at it. So it's like, I put that extra effort in, I guess. So I think that's one way it affects it so but there's probably lots that I'm not even aware of I know my writing style is more straightforward um because I'm a very straightforward person and I'm very detail oriented Mm. because I'm very focused on the details one thing I do struggle with as a writer is um sometimes the big picture uh, of things oh my gosh yeah I can mm-hmm. yeah I relate <laughs> right so like it takes me I have to fill out some details first before I can get an ending to a story because the big picture is kind of um lost in the details a little bit for me so yeah I, I have to um I have to work around that differently because I know a lot of writers they go in with like oh I know the ending I know this is how it's going to go. And I'm like, I don't know that yet. I got to like, you know, find mm-hmm. these, these little tiny details and then like find the emotion in those little details and then it becomes something. So it's definitely a different sort of process, I think. So, yeah. That's so, I love that. It's so interesting. Like I, writing was something that I was really focused on for, for a while and I can remember so vividly um kind of similarly to the way you describe like getting almost getting distracted by by tiny things that I get excited Mm -hmm. about and then I like go off on a tangent with this one little thing and totally lose like the overall 
Yeah, which is both like a a blessing and a curse because it's kind of like, you know, it allows me to be really detail oriented and, you know, get the things that I think people really enjoy details. But the downside, of course, being, you know, you can get stuck in that a little too much. So it's just trying to find like a balance of like not (laughs) getting Mm. stuck in the little tiny things of the story. (laughs) Remember to like focus on um, what the end goal is. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely a good thing. Really awesome. I also love what you said about um, like meeting the needs of each of your senses. I feel mm-hmm. like that's so, it, it's such a great thing to be aware of, like as neurodivergent people, but also I feel like that could serve anyone. Right, exactly. That's like a self-care practice. Oh, for sure. Because like, that's what we need. But I think we're, we can sometimes be hyper aware of that because it's such a big aspect of our lives. So I think Mm. neurotypical people, you know, could maybe like learn a thing or two from that, you know, like, yeah, you you need to take care of all of you. You can't just, you know, take a bath and think everything's going to be okay. You got to focus on your other little problems, you know, what's, what's, what's a sense that's not comfortable right now you know so mm-hmm. that's what I tried to go through and like make sure like you know my lights are right and, you know the noise levels right I put on my noise canceling headphones also when I write yeah. um so yeah it's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. um something else that I was curious to ask you about mm-hmm. is um just because I know for me, conversation and verbal communication, I think I spoke about this before on, on the podcast, but um, it doesn't come naturally to me at all. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering whether you experience that and if you do, how it kind of shows up for you and whether it, because I know for me in the past, it has triggered anxiety. Mm-hmm. Me, like, verbally communicating and stuff and in social environments. Right, right, right. So I was curious about whether you experienced that as well. I do, because I think I am so straightforward. People often think I'm being rude. And yeah. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say things. And people are like, oh, my gosh, why would you say that? I'm like, you've asked me a question. I'm going to tell you. Like, I'm very, very straightforward. And also, uh, I do miss, like, the subtle cues of, like, my words being so straightforward, you know, hurting people's feelings. Because, um, you know, for a while, especially when I was younger, oh, my gosh, I would think, you know, saying the truth was what, to me, was the most important thing when I was younger. Because, mm. uh, listen, you hear honesty is the best policy as a kid. Oh, you, you're taking that to heart. Like yeah i i took that and i was like oh okay this is the best policy this is what will this is the righteous path this is everything will work out as long as i'm honest no no that's not true people lied (laughs) (laughs) people definitely do not like the honesty all the time um i learned that the very very hard way and hurt a lot of people's feelings because you know I was told what I thought was a steadfast rule and being autistic, I took that as, this is fact, this is rule. There's no nuances to this, this is this. And Mm -hmm. 
I, that was like a big thing that I had to learn with verbal communication was not spilling everything that was in my head out to everyone because that's not always the nicest thing to do. Um, and you don't want to hurt people's feelings. And I wasn't even aware that I was hurting people's feelings. I had to be told like, hey, you hurt their feelings. And I'm like, but they asked me a question, you know? And so it was like, because also I feel like for me, um, and I know for some other autistic people, I don't know if you relate, but um, emotion and stuff with like social emotion, I guess, um, it doesn't make sense all the time. <laughs> a mm -hmm. lot of time it doesn't make sense. And if there's no like logic necessarily to it. And so like, I remember just being so confused, like, why would you feel sad by this? This doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't make sense. But that, you know, one of the things I also had to learn was like, it's okay if it doesn't make sense. It is regardless. Um, <laughs> so that's like, I feel like a big struggle with, you know, the communication part. But when it comes to like, um, like written word communication, I do great. Like I yeah. can everything, you know, the way I want, you know, not like in text as much because that's so short and you don't have as much time to think about it. But like, you know, if I had to write an email or, you know, a whole, you know, story, heck, like it's, I'm, I do very good, like getting what's in here onto paper, but uh, in, in verbal um, commun communication, it's just, it's different. Like, I don't know. And I also find, you can tell me if you uh, do the same thing, but mm -hmm. I find that I, um, when I'm talking, it takes me a really long time to get to that point, like to get to the point I'm trying to make. It takes yeah. me a really long time. So I end up like <laughs> overdoing it and saying the same thing over and over and over again. And then everyone's so annoyed. They're like, you get it. I'm like, but, but there's this other word I had to put in here because this word might express it a little bit better and you might understand it better. And they understand it the whole time. But yeah, yeah I definitely do yeah. that. I absolutely relate. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do that all the time, and I and I find as well that I care so much about <laughs> about trying to like right. be really accurate with because I know so vividly in my brain what I want to mm -hmm. portray with words, but mm -hmm. it's just finding those words to make it actually accurate to what's in your brain. Right, exactly. And so it like takes longer to get to that that point. And so yeah. you're like, and then everyone's exhausted by the end. <laughs> like I was talking to um, my dad the other day, and he was just like, "Why do you gotta say this so many times?" I'm like, "I just gotta make sure that this is like out there, like the way it's supposed to be." Because you mm -hmm. know, I feel like we often misrepresent ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I end up saying things that I don't mean because I said it the wrong way. And then it's like all that anxiety with that because it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean that. So that's definitely a huge factor in problems with um, verbal communication, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to start a podcast because <laughs> for my... Um, for my personal journey with like anxiety and fear and, mm -hmm. and self-consciousness 
it's been like a massive thing that's kind of held me back in certain social circumstances. Right. And I think starting a podcast was one of the things that I thought, well, if I can throw myself into doing something like that where it's so much verbal communication and maybe some of the fear about the verbal communication will be less. <laughs> right. I find the fear of it's it's always like fluctuating. Sometimes I'm like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think depending on the circumstance, you're just kind of like, oh wait, this is this is hard. <laughs> I do have yeah. a much bigger problem with this than other people. And then you start comparing yourself and it's like this kind of vicious little cycle of, you know, why why can't I just say it like I want to say it like everyone else does? Yeah. You know? Cause it's not even like you know, I think a lot of people get confused. They think it's just anxiety that makes you speak like that. And it's not because I'll be comfortable. It just, it's just, it, I'm, I'm not sure what the reason is. I read it somewhere a few years ago, but um, it's just when you speak, it's like, it just takes longer to process, I guess. Yeah. What you're trying to say. So, which is why writing is like so great because you can like, really think about it you see the words you know you can't really see words when you're talking so yeah that's that's really true it's kind of a problem with it it's like you can't really see what you're saying it's just kind of all this mess of auditory stimulation because then other people are reacting and it's like so much all at once you know there's no time for us I think yeah that's a really interesting point about about the reacting thing, like, because with writing, it's like, there's there's so much about it that you can control, mm-hmm. like, in a sensory way. Right. But with conversation, it's like, you, you, you've got what you're trying to say to process, but also what is happening with the other person or people to process at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot going on. <laughs> and, mm. I, and I don't think neurotypical people appreciate the effort. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, not to say that, you know, appreciate me, but you know, it, it is it's definitely, you know, when I go out and when I socialize with people and, you know, when I make that effort, it's a huge effort. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to go hang out, you know? It's mm. like, I'm going to hang out. I've planned everything up to this point of hanging out. And each conversation is kind of like, you know, a deeper conversation that is, it's kind of like a big task to, um, to maneuver through, I guess. So it's, it's definitely different. Um, but yeah, I find it easier to talk over, um, like, like a, a FaceTime or a video call or something like that, because, um, you are still controlling your environment. Yeah. Because, like, I have less anxiety with a video chat than I do with meeting someone in person. Because then in person, there's so many other things that you you start focusing on. And I'm a very observant, detail-oriented person. So what I often do is I start hyper-focusing on people's body language. Um, And so then I get caught up in what they're doing. um, And I completely lose sight of what I was saying or what they are saying. Yeah. Watching them move. 
and it's so bizarre but I just watch them move and it's like they're like why are you staring at me I'm like I don't know (laughs) it's it's definitely definitely different so yeah I I definitely relate to that I um I have people around me at the moment who I've grown closer with recently and someone said something um, a few days ago about me getting distracted in a a conversation and Mm -hmm. just like learning that that's a that's a usual thing that happens like a lot Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and like we'll be trying to have a conversation and I'll just spot something or focus on mm-hmm. something and have to ask them to repeat what they just said for the last like minute or so because I was at this thing whatever it is right exactly what I often do is like if I'm like trying to watch some which is why I can't look at people all the time when I talk to them and I think I'm being rude, but because when I start looking at them, I start noticing every detail in their face and just hyper-focusing on those details. So what I often do, I'll be like, they'll be talking to me. I'm like, you have a mole right under your ear. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, sorry. I just got, you know, caught up. <laughs> and I end up looking kind of like a crazy person. Um, but it's like, I, that's I think that's one of the reasons I have to like look away when I'm like talking to people in person because like when I'm looking at them I'm just I'm it's like I'm I don't know like a computer like taking everything in and like every detail I'm just like soaking it up and they don't get that they think I'm being crazy (laughs) um but yeah so I love that analogy of being a computer taking all the information. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. Because then, yeah. like, if somebody asked me, I could tell you weird details about this person's face. Yeah. You know? But not like, not probably not the things that matter about their face, like the whole picture of the face. I could just tell you, oh, I saw they had like a scar right here, or, you know, like on their jaw, or, you know, something ridiculous that would kind of probably be irrelevant but <laughs> it's like yeah. get caught up in those details and so mm-hmm. yeah I think definitely not having to look at people uh, when they're talking it's like it just filters that that problem out and so I can just like listen or I can yeah. you know speak to them without you know noticing everything <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like being able to filter out the information that you're trying to process mm-hmm. because you've taken right. away this this thing that's distracting like a person's face. Right, right. It is. It's yeah. a weird thing to say, like your face is distracting me. <laughs> but it like it totally is, because you know, I don't know, yeah, but like pretty much like a computer when I was uh, younger I would did you ever watch um Star Trek Next Generation no no okay well there's a character on there called uh, Data and he is an android who mm. wants so badly to understand and experience human emotion like this is what he wants and it's kind of funny because like desire is such a human thing but like 
he wants to like understand emotion and everything because he's constantly trying to figure out people's emotions and I just related to that character so much growing up oh my gosh and when he would like talk to people he would kind of like you know observe all the things about what they were doing in a conversation you know rather than necessarily the emotion behind it so I'd always relate to that kind of like you know android (laughs) kind of funny to say and you know I think maybe that's why you know some autistic people get the um the stereotype that we're apathetic and you know have no empathy and Mm. stuff when it's really I feel like we just experience empathy differently you know maybe not everybody but I I definitely think I do um but yeah it's it's a different experience but yeah yeah Uh, awesome I'll have to check out that show because I've never seen it before. Oh, it's a classic. It's great. Um, something else that I wanted to ask you about was mm-hmm. about um, spirituality. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself to be a spiritual person? I consider myself trying to be a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. I'm, in a, I'm, in a, I'm in a journey, I think trying to connect Mm. with spirituality I do believe in like uh, God you know I'm like you know trying to figure everything out and you know connect to that in a more spiritual than a religious way because I grew up you know in churches and stuff and that never worked for me um like you know now just trying to figure out what spirituality is I guess for me rather than what everyone else is telling me it should be. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of religion, Um, but I I do love, you know, I think personally, I've always believed in a, you know, higher power. Because to me, like when I look at everything, I'm like, this is too cool for it to just exist, you know? (laughs) So that's, that's how I like look at it. So it's like kind of just trying to work out what that all is you know and and learn for myself rather than just being told I guess so it's a journey um I'm not there yet I'm still figuring everything out but I definitely um am on a path I think of of learning and you know believing things because I believe them and not because I was raised to believe them yeah because I feel like oftentimes, whatever it may be, we're, you know, we're just, you know, conditioned to think certain ways. And it's not necessarily always a bad thing, but, you know, I think it's important to just, you know, try to learn, try to make sure like you believe it because you believe it, not because someone else is telling you to believe it. Mm-hmm. Or not because you're scared not to believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that's what I'm, you know, currently like working on and it's yeah it's it's been interesting you know just I I do you know spend time like praying and stuff because I think I've noticed you know a difference in my life when I do so yeah it's it's a process I I can't I don't have like a ton to say on it yet because I'm still learning and I don't want to like misrepresent anything Mm -hmm. but yeah it's definitely something that I'm striving towards and you know, just trying to be 
you know, more open and aware of things and yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love, I love like this whole um, like kind of experimentation mm-hmm. of things. I think that's really exciting and like just just um, learning and and yeah, trying out different things because it kind of goes along with the conditioning stuff, but. Um, it's almost like with spirituality and with like the new age mm-hmm. uh, spirituality and the wellness community and all of that, it's almost like there's a conditioning piece about, well, if, if you're a spiritual person, you have to do this, this and this, or oh. you have to believe in this and that or whatever. Um, and it's so not true because we're all so individual and and alongside that as well we've all experienced such different conditioning in our lives mm-hmm. that there's no there, there can be no one way to do it all right and i think yeah it's really fun to be able to just experiment with with all the different aspects of it and be able to feel for ourselves how things feel and and what helps us Mm -hmm. yeah because I have a hard time like just you know I guess just doing what other people are saying I should do (laughs) you know like if like I really enjoy like looking at like the spiritual wellness communities and stuff on like Instagram, but I feel like, you know, I feel like a lot of times they can be a little, a little religious and I don't think they would like it if they, you know, were told that, but they, they do, you know, start to come across that way. Um, because if you do have a different idea about something, they're a little like, "Mm," you know, they don't like it, you know? But that, that, that comes with any, you know, I think group is there's always going to be that kind of a thing. So I think you should just really figure out what, you know, spirituality and stuff means to you and what, you know, if you believe in a higher power, you know, what that is to you, not just what they're saying or what so-and-so saying, you know, you, you got to learn for yourself. You can't just, you know, just listen to one person or even a couple people and just go, okay, this, like it's, cause then it is just kind of a religious thing. I think it is just, you know, you're just kind of listening mm-hmm. to people and just parroting what they're, um, what they're saying. So I, I don't want to be like stuck in doing that. And I, you know, I want to make sure what I believe is what I believe, which, you know, you could go with a, on a debate. Well, do we, even have our own beliefs what you know (laughs) but personally um I do want to make sure I like and yeah I'm I'm just thinking for myself more um not being caught up in the community of things because it's you know it is it is neat to have like you know to relate to others and stuff and be like oh yeah I believe this too and you know but like I said there can be that little religious aspect of it that kind of muddies things up and you know mm-hmm. so I just try to 
I'm very individualistic, I guess. I try to, you know, learn what things are for myself and, you know, what I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that. And, like, I also feel like because we're always in process, Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's no there's no end to to our personal transformations like it's a continual thing through life so then I also feel like the things that we we believe are going to change as we change and the same with the things that help us like in spiritual practice if we if we practice anything Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah, I totally agree with that. We're we're constantly changing and we need to, you know, learn what works for us, I think. Constantly having to rework what does work, you know, what doesn't work and figure that out constantly. Um, and, you know, always, and sometimes it's a matter of like, I think getting back into, like back to your roots, I guess, in a certain type of way, you know, Cause I feel like sometimes we get lost in like the craziness of the world and then it helps to always like come back to, you know, what, you know, a better time, I guess a better time spiritually, you know, and re- remember what we're, yeah. I guess, if that makes any sense. So it's a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, do you mean like coming back to ourselves in like a grounding type of way without the, um, right. Oh, what's the word? Without the stimulation and um, action and stuff. Pardon? Like distraction and stuff. Yeah, and influence of of mm-hmm. like the general world around us. And right. Just being with ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I think you know, finding what you know, because sometimes I think. For me, like, you know, you start trying different things and then you can kind of get lost in which thing actually did work for you. And yeah. so it helps to like always like pause and look back and be like, you know, this always works for me. I don't have to change it, you know, mm-hmm. just because change, you know, sometimes you can just like go back to, you know, because like for me, like praying helps me a lot. And so like sometimes I have to remember, you know, this, this has always been like a thing that's you know helped me so I need to like realize that sometimes like in the craziness of things I need to like go back to that um so yeah yeah it's just I think just being aware of yourself and how things are going and that's why I'm really journaling and stuff you know yeah like have a visual to go back on be like oh that's right I'm, I'm something that I'm intrigued about is um, how, I mean, you mentioned prayer and journaling and mm-hmm. if there are any other um, like spiritual practices that you find have helped you and whether they affect um, the things that are maybe difficult because of being neurodivergent in a neurotypical world. Um, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think I'm still figuring it out because I think growing up in, in churches, is like you're told what works 
and you're told to do that thing that works. And then I was like, this, I feel nothing, you know? Like one of the things, cause I was like, I was raised in like, you know, independent Baptist churches in America. Ooh, those are something. Um, <laughs> well, those, one of the things that they would always do is um, they would, for whatever reason, they would go, I still don't understand it, but they would go at the end of like a sermon, which to my understanding, not to, you know, be rude, but the sermon was basically, you know, just criticizing everybody. And then they would pray at the end and then people would go from their seats to the very front of the church and kneel down at the front of the church and they would pray. And the pastor would shame those who didn't want to. It was always so strange to me. I was like, you know, he's like, if, if God is like convicting you, you should go for it. I'm like, what if like God is like talking to you, just to you and, and where you're standing, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but it's like, you know, what if he is just, you know, working with you? Why can't that be? And, you know, it's like this weird thing that I think people created. And it was just, it was so strange to me like that, that you have to be right here and praying. You can't just pray in your seat. It's like, it was so strange. I was like, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. One place to another. I do think there are like, you know, for some people there are holy places, but um, to me, it seemed more like a show, like a display, you know, to show others how spiritual you were. Mm. So that's one of the things that I think, I guess being, I don't know if it is being autistic, um, but maybe it was because um, I never understood it. I would ask people why. Nobody could give an answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, oh gosh, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but, um, but I, that's, Don't worry. <laughs> that's like uh, one of the things, I guess, that always confused me with, you know, spiritual practices and stuff. Because, you know, to me, like, prayer is more of, like, an intimate thing and, you know, kind of like a personal, like, in the quietness of my room, you know, just, like, being able to to pray is, like, a, a deeply personal thing. And it always seems strange to me to make, like, a public show out of it, you know. Um, so that was always weird to me. That's something I never understood. I still don't understand why people do it. You know, they say it helps. Um, I have no idea how, <laughs> but maybe it does, you know, I mean, try not to judge here, but like, maybe, maybe it does help them. Maybe there is something about it. Um, but that's, I think that's one of the things I never, never understood. That's why I think that with prayer specifically, it was always different for me. Um, Cause I didn't view it as like this big display, I guess. Um, and I wasn't doing it for other people, you know? Like you can pray, yeah. for, yes, but like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I always wanted to, to go about it in a um, more personal type of way. Um, whereas mm -hmm. I think in like religious communities and stuff, they go about it in a um, um, very like, let's ask the higher power for the thing. Um, and that's it <laughs> and like let's it, it's very much like a um a functioning tool I guess rather than just like a connectivity 
um, if that makes sense. So I always wanted to make it more of a personal thing and, you know, trying to connect to something. And I think they, a lot of times, would want it to be a, um, like an exchange, <laughs> almost. So it was a little, a little odd there. And I think, um, yeah, because, yeah, I think that's like the big thing. Um, I don't know if that answers your question very well. I got a little sidetracked. Yeah, but. no, it's okay. Some, something that popped into my head as you were speaking was, was about, um, may, maybe there's something about the fact that generally as autistic people, we, it's, it's more natural for us to be um, comfortable on our own. Mm. And, and maybe there's something about praying in a group of people that's like a, some kind of connective thing that that doesn't come as naturally to us or that it doesn't really make as much sense because mm -hmm. we're so naturally uh, more comfortable by ourselves. Right. You know? That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a good theory there. Um, I hadn't thought about it in that way. I guess people do find, you know, spiritual connectivity in groups. Um, and I guess it would make sense that I would be like, so like, this is my, you know, my private, you know, kind of thing. Cause like, mm. you know, one of the things that I like to do when I'm like doing like a, um, like a full or new moon ritual type thing, I do, you know, try to like, spend time like journaling and then spend time like um praying and stuff and you know a lot of it's like just kind of talking but it's very like self like you know like I'll pray for other people I'll try to like you know mention other people but like you know it to me it's very like I'm connecting um rather than make it like a big group thing <laughs> which yeah. I guess you but it's just not not for me, not for me. So it, it'd be interesting to see because like one of the things I always see is um, women doing, um, well, not just women, but a lot of people uh, doing like these um, spiritual retreats and stuff. And the idea sounds so cool, but it seems so hard. <laughs> it seems like it would be like such a difficult thing for me to actually get into it. Um, you know, with so many different people, it seems like it would be a, a very distracting experience rather than, you know, you know, especially if I was like supposed to participate, you know, it'd be like a very like, you know, I don't think it would work too well for me, but I love the idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Um, earlier this year um, in, I think it was March, I started working with a mentor in a group setting um, and it's all it's it's not in person it's all online mm -hmm. and it's been something that has it, it took a while for me to get used to mm -hmm. and um, we, we are invited to like share our experiences um, each time. <laughs> Wait, say that again. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was saying I have a hard time doing that, like in groups. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I definitely find that sometimes because of the work that we're doing and like it's all like personal experience and spiritual stuff it it my brain is so, so full of like trying to process all of that but most of the time I'm not in the I haven't got there yet to be able to articulate any of exactly what I've experienced exactly you haven't got there yet that that's like a good way to say it like I'm not <laughs> I haven't quite processed it yet there's not a full uh, picture of what you can share it mm. would just be half sentences and blurbs I think um yeah it kind of reminds me in a less wonderful way of um like I remember going to like a uh, like a youth camp when I was a kid Ooh. That was definitely a weird experience um, because they would do the same type of thing. Like they would want you to share things. Um, they would also wanted you to share your sins <laughs> with a bunch of people. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, I would just start making up stuff. <laughs> like, I'm not telling you what I'm thinking. Like, if, I don't know why this, this weird old man is wanting me to share my sins, what he thinks I'm going to say, but like, <laughs> you know, oh, no. I just start- I'm bitter, and I was because the whole situation was bad. So I just was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm bitter with everything." Like, mm, bitterness is hard. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, totally." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that just reminded me of like a bad, bad example of like a um, sharing type of thing. But I think in general, I just do better like one-on-one with people. Um, I can be very open one-on-one, but if I'm in like a group setting, it's like so overwhelming and there's like so much to think about you know because I'm not communicating to just one person trying to make one person understand I'm trying to make a whole group understand what I'm saying and that's like oh one person was hard <laughs> imagine mm-hmm. like you know several people it's just a lot so, so yeah definitely different yeah um I'm I'm curious about um your experience of masking Mm. (laughs) and the um the process of or 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 whether you experience a process of Mm. trying to shed parts of that that aren't necessarily serving you right kind of the way that I've experienced it I don't know if that makes sense for you as well well um I'm still in a process of unmasking I guess but I have been masking for as long as I remember as long as I started learning how to Mm -hmm. and that is probably one of the hardest things that I'm working on right now like personally because um to unlearn a behavior that you were taught um, that was harming you and that you used as like a uh, self-defense is so incredibly scary mm-hmm. hard um, I once I think I'm getting a little bit better with just like you know letting it go um, and then you meet someone new and it's like 
I have to, you know, put on this whole persona again, because, you know, you don't, you don't want to scare them off. You don't want anyone to judge you, you know, because a lot of, for a lot of people, it is very scary because they don't understand it. Um, so yeah, masking is like, I mean, I'm 90%, more than 90% of the time I'm, I'm doing it if I'm not at home. Um, and it's not just like, when I was a kid, man, I got it down to a, a flipping science, I swear. <laughs> um, I started noticing people who were, because I'm extremely observant, so I started noticing people who were more liked than others. I knew they were popular. So I was trying to emulate everything I could about them because I was like, okay, this is, this is the formula. This is what you have to do. I'm like, I just missed it. So I had, I thought I was having to like do these things um, to make people like me. So I would start um, actually copying their facial expressions and the way they would move their body. <laughs> mm -hmm. That doesn't make me sound crazy. I don't know it will, but <laughs> I was just like, I was like, I have to, you know, this, I thought I found the key. I thought I found what was going to fix all my problems, I guess. I thought that was like, you know, oh, they, they move their face in a different way. That must be it. I don't know what I was thinking, but you know, detail oriented, not looking at the big picture again. Um, <laughs> so I would just like, I would just start changing all these little things about myself, you know, just trying to like get to what I thought um, other people would like and would accept, um, yeah. you know. I, you know, body language changing that was a big thing. Um, like I remember, I used to do oh, what was it, the T Rex arms. I still yeah. do it. I used to do it all the time, and then people started saying things, so it's like, oh, can't do that. Um, but yeah, so just like things in my body language, the way I would move, um, e even my posture. One of the things I think that helped my posture, though, I was, um, I did a violin for like seven years so that yeah. like forced me to change my posture so now I have pretty good posture but I used to be like really kind of like when I'd stand I would just kind of like stand really funky <laughs> yeah. and everyone's like why are you standing like that um but yeah body language was like I was constantly like watching to see what I had to change um yeah. and like I was so hyper aware of everything but not at the same time like, oh my God. yeah, like, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to, like, see, I was watching what everyone was doing, like, trying to emulate that. Like, mm -hmm. like, basically, like, an alien who has come to Earth and is trying to, like, hide that they're an alien. Like, yeah. that was 100%. And I was like, okay, I have to, like, you know, because I think everyone experiences that, oh, I'm changing to fit in with others. But I don't think and everyone experiences autistic masking like that. Like yeah. that is a whole different level. At least it was for me because I don't think most people, maybe I'm wrong, maybe they do. But I, I would doubt that most people would go into, oh, I want to fit into, I'm going to change the nuances of my body language and my facial expressions to make people like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That hyper awareness of like, this is what I have to do or what I thought I had to do is just, is kind of crazy. So masking has been like a huge thing. Um, 
and I, I mean, I've gotten pretty good at it, you know, in some areas. And then it always slips through and everyone's just kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> you yeah. know, I feel like, you know, I can't always fully do it. So like, I'll get pretty good at it. Um, and I got like, I would honestly have like characters basically. Mm. Kind of game almost for, for part of it. It's like, you know, uh, I started learning like which personas I guess to try on for other people for people like I, I was familiar with and I knew kind of what they expected after a certain point so I would just kind of like this is this Kate and this is this Kate <laughs> <laughs> um, but like yeah I guess that's just part of um, the masking and stuff because and I'm trying to like unlearn that now um, which is so hard to unlearn mm-hmm. like, I don't it's such a process you know one of the things that the bigger um steps I've made towards it is being able to mask or not mask um to stim more in uh public oh my gosh yeah so like that's one of my you know because it helps you know when I'm at like work and stuff you know one of my stims I you know kind of go like this um if I don't, because I don't have, you know, this at work and I don't have my, you know, stim toy here to, you know, help regulate. So I just kind of, you know, I pace a lot and move around and stuff. And, you know, people, people start to say things or they watch me and I'm just kind of like, it's fine. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It's fine, you know, because like, yeah. And, and I don't really care if like the customers and stuff at work see, you know, because, Eh, you know, it's just like coworkers and stuff. When they start to say something, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but the, I'm learning that I don't have to explain it really. You know. Oh yeah, I love that. Like, yeah, like you shouldn't have to be. We shouldn't have to be justifying ourselves. Right, and because I used to all the time, I'm like, oh well, I'm doing this because, blah, blah, blah. and it's just kind of like, you know, I think somebody asked me the other day, and they're like, why are you doing that? I'm like, it's just a thing I do. I'm like, oh okay. And yeah. I was like, you know, just take it and leave it and just move mm-hmm. on. Yeah, like it, it can be that simple. Mm-hmm. Because I think we tend to over-explain ourselves a lot because we've kind of been taught to, um, partly, I think. Yeah. There's more um, criticism, I think, that we receive from others. Yeah. So like, we're, we're, we're like conditioned to think that we have to like explain and justify everything we do to everyone. Um, but I'm learning that it doesn't really matter. Most people don't care as much as you think they do. They're, if, they, if they don't like your simple ex- explanation, they have other things they can worry about and they do worry about other things. So it's really not that important. Mm. <laughs> you know? So that's kind of like what I'm, the way I'm like getting over that so yeah I'm interested in you know like what your experience is with that because I don't know if you talked about as much on your podcast but with masking in general mm-hmm. or with stimming in public uh, both <laughs> um I very much still struggle with stimming in public mm-hmm. I I think the masking and and the conditioning of that has has made me forget 
how to stim in public or like around people because I'm so used to yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's like um almost like walls come up Mm -hmm. as soon as there's anyone else around or even I noticed recently like in the last few months even if there's no one else around but I'm not in my own space the walls are still somewhat up. Yep. Yeah, and um, that's something that's that's been tricky with traveling and, and moving around because obviously I'm not in my own space and I don't have a lot of things that are very familiar to me. So I've found that I've been masking more, but at the same time, yeah, it's weird because, because traveling is... Um, I'm on a little bit of a tangent, but never mind. <laughs> Travelling is something that's already always been really um, um, like growth-inducing for me. Mm-hmm. So, like in one way, so much growth is happening, but at the same time, because I'm not in in a familiar space, um, I'm not stimming as much as would mm-hmm. be helpful. <laughs> Right, right. I get um, that. Yeah, and I'm and I'm masking a little bit, but at the same time, it's something that in social environments I've been working on a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Working on, I don't really like that phrase. Feeling into, I've been feeling into. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, masking in. in in social situations and just trying to remind myself that it's okay to be comfortable around people. Right. And it's okay to be, to, to feel like I can let go of the walls or of the, um, of the act, I suppose. Right. And that whoever it is that I'm with at that time is with me because they want to be with me as in, like, who I authentically am and not who I think they want me to be. Right, that fake person that you have. Yeah, I get that. I'm I'm also wondering, like, um, because what I notice when I'm, like, I'm not stimming, I really am just in subtle ways that people don't. So yeah. if I don't get to do my comfortable stems, you know, um, I start tearing up my lips. I bite the inside of my lips to the point they become bloody because I'm just biting them so much. And most people, you know, a lot of people will bite the other lip from time to time. So to me, it's like my, that subtle thing that like comes out, even though I'm like trying to suppress everything. And yeah. so at the end of a workday, often, um, I'll like go home and like the inside of my lower lip is raw because <laughs> oh I've been it up so much. Um, it's just like you can just feel like that raw texture <laughs> on your skin, <laughs> and so like that's one of the things that I noticed that I was doing, um, and I wasn't even realizing it, but I was like trying not to do the ones that were comfortable, the ones yeah. that you know helped me more, <laughs> and the ones that weren't harming me. Um, 
so like that's what I notice I do so I don't so I, I'd be interested if like you do anything like that or maybe like you could like try to like be more aware if you do that because I wasn't aware for a while that I was doing it so like mm. so you could like try to focus like when you're around other people and you're suppressing like little things that you start doing yeah you know, even when you're trying that because it just kind of slips out spills out so mm. that's something to think about <laughs> yeah definitely I I 100% notice myself kind of resorting to things that are more viewed as socially acceptable <laughs> like, yeah 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 I um I oh words um <laughs> I tap my feet a lot right. especially when I'm sat at a table with anyone mm-hmm. um my feet will be tapping or like I play with my fingers like flicking right. my fingers and, and messing with my nails and stuff the more socially acceptable you know, not yeah. the one that's most comfortable, you know, and it just kind of shows like how much autistic people are doing things for the neurotypical world. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like how much effort we put into it will literally make ourselves bleed just so other people are more yeah. comfortable. And that's why it like, gets me fired up when, you know, neurotypical people like get offended over like little things, you know, that we're like, hey, we need this. I'm like, ah. What do you mean you need this? I'm like, you know, we're, you know, busting our asses out here trying to like be, you know, acceptable to you. The least you could do is like this tiny little thing we're asking, you know? Mm-hmm. So that kind of gets me fired up a little bit, you know? Because you know, like they start tearing up their nails and stuff too and like yanking at the skin, the hang nails and all that. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's just doing whatever just for other people and I think if you start looking maybe at it like that like you're putting yourself in pain actual pain so other Mm -hmm. people are more comfortable people who don't even care about you oftentimes just so they're more comfortable and that's Mm -hmm. messed up (laughs) you know yeah it's like we yeah because of the conditioning and the, the we're so we're so concerned about wanting to be acceptable we're continually re-traumatizing parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to I, w- I wanted this to be something that um, is freely talked about on the podcast because I feel like it's so important for everyone to have a, a general understanding of um the fact that not everyone's brains work in the same way right exactly (laughs) yeah and that's really cool you know to be able to share like a deeper insight you know something that's like because I think sometimes you know when you start to say things to people who are neurotypical or whatever they're just kind of like they're shocked you know and it's so funny to me because it's like this is what I've lived and like they're like what I don't know it's it's so interesting so like I think talking about it more is gonna lessen that you know <gasps> this is so different and it's kind of scary you know because 
you know, it's still like autistic is a dirty word for a lot of people, you know, yeah. you know, we, we say on the spectrum instead of autistic. <laughs> yeah. Instead of autistic, we say, you know, um, anything else like these euphemisms just to make neurotypical people more comfortable, you know, because we don't want to say the dirty bad word autistic, you know, too much or they're going to start thinking all these things, you know, they're like, Rain Man? What? <laughs> no, no, we're not, we're not all like Rain Man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's definitely a, an interesting topic there, I think. So it's really cool that to be able to talk about it and share different insights and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you very, very much for being here and for sharing so openly and vulnerably about your experience and answering all of my <laughs> curious questions. Um, um, it's yeah. And, um, <laughs> amazing. Um, the one last thing that I was going to ask for anyone who's listening who wants to know are you um on any social medias that you want to share with people who would like to connect with you in any way oh sure the only thing I really have is like uh, my instagram kate serena s-i-r-e-n-a just one word kate serena um <laughs> but yeah that's pretty much the only thing I post on um but I hope to be posting like more like autistic content and like more um like of my own writing that's kind of like my goal with it this next year is to kind of be a little bit more open you know on that so yeah I should be doing more stuff with that so if you want to follow and I'll I'll link it in the the show notes of the episode as well okay cool cool um thank you everyone for listening and I will talk to you in the next one